بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی نائنتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ We've also moved on to the final 32nd session that we're going through the commentary of Surah Al-Anbiya. And Alhamdulillah, we started the Surah in the blessed month of Zulqa'dah, one of the holy months, and we've been graced to finish it also in the blessed month of Rajab. And we've reached verse 109. So inshallah, we're going to go through up to the end of the blessed Surah. So verse 109. But if they turn back, say I have proclaimed the message to you all alike and in truth. But I know not whether that which you are promised is near or far. <coughs> so here Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He tells His beloved to tell the people that whether you listen or not, my mission is to pass the message on. However, in another passage, in Surah 9 verse 119, Surah 9 verse 119, the last verse of Surah Tawbah, Allah Ta'ala says exactly the same. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا But if they turn away, but in this verse, Allah Ta'ala gives a zikr to the Prophet So he says, but if they turn away, say, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is sufficient for me. There is no God but He. On Him is my trust. He is the Lord of the throne supreme. So here a zikr is given. So this zikr has great uh, virtue. So there's a report in Abu Dawood number 5081. Ibn Asakir, Hakim in his Mustadrak, Anzul Omal Ibn As-Sidi. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states it's authentic from Abu Darda in Ad-Da'ifa number 5286. <coughs> Abu Darda radiyallahu he said, whoever says seven times morning and evening, i.e. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْ فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ He started from حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ عَلَيْهِ تَوَقَّلْتُ وَهُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَذِيمِ Then Allah the Almighty will be sufficient for him against anything which grieves him. whether he is sincere or not in reciting it. SubhanAllah. So here the great Abu Darda, Hakim al-Ummah, the physician of the Ummah, he mentioned that this particular passage, if you say it regularly seven times, morning and evening, so it's a zikr you do twice in a day, whether you are sincere in reciting it or not, <coughs> it is a great protection from any harm. So note, Allah Ta'ala told His Beloved that if they turn away from you, say these words. But Abu Darda explained one of the great blessings of that. And that is that it will help you in terms of your worries and grief. But here in this verse, Allah Ta'ala says the same for in tawallu. But now He tells His Beloved, tell them. And what does He say to them? I have proclaimed the message to you all alike and in truth. But I do not know whether which you are promised is near or far. So now, 
there's other passages in Surah 5 verse 92. In Surah 5, Surah Maida verse 92, Allah Ta'ala mentions something very clear about His beloved. He says, Obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and beware. If you turn back, know that it is our messenger's duty only to proclaim the message in the clearest manner. So here Allah the Almighty and Glorious in Surah 5 verse 92, He tells you to obey Himself and His messenger and if you don't, the Prophet's duty is only to give you the message. If you reject it, you now are at fault. And also, in the famous verse in Surah Yasin, in Surah 36, verse 17, the messengers went to a certain place and they said to them, وَمَا عَلَيْنَا إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ الْمُبِينَ Surah 36, verse 17. And our duty is only to proclaim the clear message. So note this is a universal theme mentioned in the Quran. So the Prophet himself is told by Allah the Almighty and Glorious to tell them this. He goes, I have come, if you reject it, I proclaim the message and I'm not aware of the punishment which you are asking whether it is near or far. Verse 110. It is he who knows what is open in speech and what you hide, i.e. in your hearts. So again, in Surah Taha, Surah 20 verse 7, Allah Ta'ala mentions this reality. And he says a very interesting thing. He says, وَإِن تَجْحَرْ بِالْقَوْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ وَأَخْفَى if you pronounce the word aloud, it, it does not matter, for verily he knows what is secret and what is yet more hidden. So, sirra means hidden, secret, sorry, and akhfa means more hidden. So, what is more hidden than secret? So, Ibn Abbas, in Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir's tafsir, he said, he recited, Ya'lamu sirra wa akhfa. He explained, the secret, the sir, is what the son of Adam والسلام, hides within himself. And wa what is yet more hidden, are the deeds of the son of Adam والسلام, which are hidden before he even does them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all of that. His knowledge encompasses that which has passed and that which is in the future. It is one complete knowledge. In this record, all of the creatures are as one soul to him. This is the meaning of his statement. And he recited Surah 31 verse 28. So in Surah Luqman, the Prophet recited Surah 31 verse 28. And your creation or your resurrection is in no wise but as an individual soul. So here, putting it very simply, Allah Ta'ala mentions He knows what is secret and He knows what is yet more hidden. The secret is what you hide. So what nobody knows except yourself. But Allah Ta'ala says, I know what is even more hidden. And that is something you are not even aware of yourself. He knows the deeds you are going to do. 
Then Ibn Abbas said, this is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he recited the verse where Allah ta'ala says, it's easy like one person to resurrect one person. So Allah ta'ala's knowledge is complete. And there's a dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi where he would say, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I seek refuge in you from the evil I have done and the evil I have not done yet. So what's interesting about the dua? The Prophet is actually asking protection from the lapses which he hasn't done yet. So what was he highlighting there? This is the dua of the Prophet So here when Allah Ta'ala says in verse 110, It is he who knows what is open in speech and what you hide. This is Tawheed. Because nothing is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Verse 111. I know not, but that it may be a fitna for you and a grant of livelihood for a time. So here there's a very interesting report. So there's a narration. So this hadith. Is recorded in Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 170, Sahih. And Zahabi said Sahih. And Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 3, page 491 of the New English Translation. Imam Sha'bi, rahmatullah, he states, When Hassan ibn Ali, radiyallahu and Muawiyah, radiyallahu entered into a truce, Muawiyah, radiyallahu said to Hassan, radiyallahu please stand up and address the people, inform them of your standpoint. So what's the context? So what's happened is, Ali radiyallahu has been martyred. His son, Hassan, the grandson of the Prophet, has been elected as the Khalif. And just six months into his Khilafat, he abdicates. He does not want the Muslims to continue fighting. So Hazrat Muawiyah radiyallahu, he tells Hassan, please inform the people. So Hassan radiyallahu, he stands up and he said, All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has used us to guide our former ones and has now used us to save the blood of our latter ones. So stop with the quote. So he praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says, who has used us, who, who is the Ahlul Bayt. The blessed family of the Prophet He goes, who has used us to guide our former ones. So who guided the elders of the Quraysh? The Ahlul Bayt. And then he says, and has now used us to save the blood of the latter ones. Who stopped the bloodshed. Ahlul Bayt. Then he said, behold, indeed the most intelligent one is the one with the most taqwa. And the most helpless one is the sinner. So, stop with the quote. Uh, this is the thing about the Ahlul Bayt. They were the most eloquent. <laughs> so they were taught like the Prophet So he's making statements, but you need elaboration. The most intelligent one is the one with the most taqwa. Why? Because there's no more intelligent person than the one who has taqwa. Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, the most honorable of you in my sight is the one with the most taqwa. In Surah Hujarat. And this is why Abu Bakr Siddiq was the most intelligent, 
And also, Aisha radiyallahu said in Abu Ya'la, Rasulullah loved the people of Taqwa. So the more Taqwa the person had, the more he loved that individual. And then he said, Hassan radiyallahu the most helpless one is the sinner. Now what's interesting about that? People think they're getting a good deal by sinning. Well, Hassan goes, he's the most, you know, he's the weakest person. He goes, he, you know, shaitan's playing with him. There's no goodness in sin. Then he said, the matter concerning which I have been disputing with Muawiyah radiallahu was either rightfully his or rightfully mine. So now what has he explained? He's explained that there's ijtihad here. We're not certain. Either I'm deserving to be the khalif or he is deserving. Then he said, I have however abandoned my right for the good of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and to save their lives. So Hassan said, if I am in the right, if I am deserving of the Khilafat, I've given up the right. And I've done it to save my grandfather's ummah. He then turned to Muawiyah, and he recited this verse. I know not, but that it may be a fitna for you and a grant of livelihood for a time. He then stepped down. <laughs> Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As then said to Sayyidina Muawiyah this is exactly what you wanted or you intended. So what happened? Hassan did such a beautiful sermon and he was teaching us don't dilly-dally, don't go around the block, get to the point, right? And he did it beautifully. He got the message across and then he turned to Muawiyah and what advice he gave him. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> Look how they knew the Quran. We haven't got a clue he's quoting Quran. I have to tell you that he's quoting a verse. What's this verse? Verse 111. What does Allah Ta'ala say? I do not know. It may be a fitna for you. What's a fitna? And a grant of livelihood for a time. So Hassan was saying, in a very sublime way to Muawiyah, you may have involved yourself in fitna. He wasn't certain. And he goes, but everything has a time. And when Hassan descended from the pulpit, Hazrat Amr radiyallahu, he said to Muawiyah, like we say, congratulations. So he was moved. He was thinking, you know, if he is right, he goes, this is now a big burden for you. So now, what's interesting, if you look at this verse, what's the context? You have to go through the verses. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Rasulullah's message is to pass the message. He's done that. Then Allah ta'ala says, I know what is secret and I know what is even more hidden. Then you got the verse of Muawiyah. <laughs> So look at the previous verse. He knows what you're going to do that you are not even aware of. <laughs> and who does Allah, Allah talk about according to Hassan in the next verse? Muawiyah. <laughs> Meaning, there's something going to happen. And I'm well aware of this. And in another report, Hazrat Muawiyah couldn't shrug this off. Because it, because it, it affected him too much. And why? Because these are the most God-fearing people. He was thinking, you know, this, what? Because is this a fitna for me? And also, just to add, which is worth pointing out, 
Hazrat Muawiyah took his stance on the on the grounds that he wanted to avenge the third Khalif's own just murder, i.e. Uthman radiallahu. So he was, like we say, he was out for justice. And Allah Ta'ala has given him that right in Surah Bani Israel. So what happened? To go along narration short, the hadith is mentioned in Al-Bidayah. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, one of the ten promised paradise who kept out of the fitna, he said to Hazrat Muawiyah, I have heard the Prophet Wasallam say that justice is with Ali and Ali is with justice. So Hazrat Muawiyah was shocked. He goes, who else heard this uncle? So he said, our mother, Um Salama. So Hazrat Muawiyah then goes to Hazrat Um Salama radiyallahumma and he goes, oh mother, people are saying things about the Prophet. I don't know whether it is true. He goes, what have you heard, my son? So Muawiyah said, Sa'ad, the maternal uncle of the Prophet said that he heard the Prophet say that justice is with Ali and Ali is with justice. Sayyidah Um Salama said, yes, he said that in my house. So then the report says Muawiyah was lost in his thoughts and he grieved. He then said, if I had known this, I would have been the servant of Ali till the day he died. Because I was unaware of this. So why is this such an important report? Because Hazrat Muawiyah was doing ijtihad. Ijtihad is done if you are not aware of sacred texts. Once he came across this text, there's no other way to interpret it. And he was right. Because justice is within. So how can I be claiming justice when the Prophet said justice is with Ali? And he grieved. So why is that important? Because Allah Ta'ala only takes the companions away from the world when he's pleased with them. He purifies them. So note, Hassan recited this verse to him. And also, to quickly add, the hadith is in Ibn Abdul, uh, sorry, Hakim Sahih. Hassan radiyallahu said, I abandoned the post for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to save the blood of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi because some ignorant people were calling him the disgrace of the believers. He was called Amir al-Mu'mineen, but when he gave up the Khilafat, he goes, you've disgraced the believers. And he goes, rather disgraced than unlawful blood. And the Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullah alayhi, said, not even a thimble of blood was spilt by Hassan. So now question, how virtuous is it to reconcile? So when you reconcile just two brothers, the Hadith mentions the virtue is immense. Greater than Salat, greater than fasting. In fact, Mullah Ali Qadi said it's even greater than the Farad Salat. If you stop bloodshed. These are just two people. He reconciled the entire Ummah. So what virtues has Hassan got? You know, people don't think, you know, when, what he did. And look what he said. He goes, we are the family of the Prophet. Allah Ta'ala won't give that honor to anybody else. He will only give it to the, the, the offspring of the Prophet. Allah Ta'ala gave it to the Honorable Imam Hassan And this is why Ibn Taymiyyah said that Hassan and Hussein did not partake of any major encounters in the time of the Prophet. They were too young. Brother Uhud, because they didn't part, because they were too young, seven, eight years old. So Allah Ta'ala made them go through immense trials so they could be with them in paradise. 
So Imam Hassan, look at the immense test he was put through. He had to abdicate, which is an amazing thing. And Imam Hussein was martyred in Karbala. Why were they being put through such tribulations? Because they had to reach the Badris. Allah Ta'ala was elevated because they were the offsprings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Verse 112. Say, O my Lord, judge you in truth. Our Lord, the supremely merciful, is the one whose assistance should be sought against the blasphemies that you utter. So here there's a report in Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Malik Rahmatullah reports from Zaid Ibn Asl. When Rasulullah witnessed any fighting, he would recite this. Oh my Lord, judge you in truth. So here this is the sunnah. Allah Ta'ala instructs his beloved, say, when did the Prophet decide that? In jihad. So what's interesting, Allah Ta'ala tells his beloved to pass the message, your job is to pass the message, but you will ultimately end up on the battlefield. And even then make this dua, and he made that dua, judge in truth. But this was not a sunnah just of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In Surah 7 verse 89, in Surah Al-A'raf verse 89, Allah Ta'ala mentions about Shu'ayb that he said at the end of verse 89, Oh our Lord, decide you between us and our nation in truth, for you are the best to decide. Qatada <coughs> Rahmatullah he said, the Prophet used to say this, the Holy Prophet was commanded also to say this. This is in Qurtubi and Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So simply put, the Prophets per se would make this dua. They'd pass the message on and then they would make dua. Ya Allah, you now decide between the people. And also in Surah 37, <coughs> verse 177. Surah 37, verse 177. Allah Ta'ala mentions another very interesting passage. And he says, Fasa. Evil will be the morning for those who were warned and heeded not. In Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Sayyidina Anas, he said, On the morning of Khibr, when the people came out with their tools and they saw the Muslim army, they went back and said, Muhammad by Allah, Muhammad and the army. The Prophet thereupon said, Allahu Akbar. Khaybar is destroyed. Evil will be the morning for those who were warned and he did not. Subhanallah. So what is this? Khaybar, the Prophet he signed the treaty of Hudaybiyah in which the Quraysh were neutralized. The Quraysh, <laughs> Allah Ta'ala protected them from annihilation. He made them sign a treaty. They thought they got the better deal, which is another interesting thing. So when they were signed off, and they're basically now playing conquest, right? The Prophet Wasallam now dealt with the Jews. So he went to the region of Khaybar, and they were totally unaware he was coming towards them. So when he came with his army, they were actually going out to work. So what's interesting about Bani Israel, they're very productive. They changed, they changed barren land into fertile land. The old sunnah of this, look what's happening in Palestine, right? So they're going out with their tools, causing mischief all over the hijaz and you know, planting potatoes, right? 
So what happens? The Prophet ﷺ comes, and when they see him, <laughs> what did they say? They say, Muhammad by Allah. Now, hang on a minute. He's not a prophet. You've denied him. So really, they know he's a prophet. Then they say, Muhammad and the army, meaning we've had it. And what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Who's the living, walking, talking Quran? Allahu Akbar. Khaybar is destroyed. Then he recited this verse. Evil will be the morning for those who were warned and he did not. So what is that? How is that related to this verse? So when Allah Ta'ala tells his beloved, say, Rabbihkum bil haq, oh my Lord, judging truth. It does not necessarily just mean that they will be defeated and they will end up in the hellfire. It also means that they will be also taken as prisoners of war and their land will be taken. So the dua manifests both in this world and also in the next. So what's beautiful? This surah is named after the prophets. And how many prophets have we discussed these last eight months or so? And how does Allah Ta'ala finish the surah? With the dua of the prophets. قَالَ الرَّبِّحْكُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَرَبُّنَ الرَّحْمَانُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ Say, O oh my Lord, judge you in truth. Our Lord, the supremely merciful, is the one whose assistance should be sought against the blasphemies you utter. So why is that so beautiful? Allah Ta'ala is telling you that the Prophet's job is only to, will, uh, to warn you plainly. If you deny it, then you end up with this final dua of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Allah Ta'ala will be swift to judge. And all praise be to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's given us guidance. So I'll recite the verse and we will conclude. <laughs> وَإِنْ أَدْرِي أَقَرِيبٌ عَنْ بَعِيدٌ مَا تُوْعَدُونَ إِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ الْجَهْرَ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تَكْتُمُونَ وَإِنْ أَدْرِي لَعَلَّهُ فِتْنَةٌ لَكُمْ وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى حِينٌ قَالَ رَبِّ احْكُمْ بِالْحَقِّ وَرَبُّنَا الرَّحْمَانُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that He makes the Quran the Rabbi of our hearts. And we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu that He forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered. <laughs>